With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With all of the savings I get when I drive, I'm having the time of my life. Driving safe all right. Drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. Hello and welcome. This week we've got Roma Pro Runners and the Foot Coach in to discuss the controversial new patch. Plus, as requested, after getting Elite through again, I get into more depth on how I managed it for the second time. We've also got Wise Fee for stopping by to discuss the market and investments after Black Friday and the next big promo. I'm your host, Ben, and you'll hear all that and more on this week's Foot Weekly podcast on Foothead and all your usual podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to week 11 of the Foot Weekly podcast. And with me today is a pro player from AS Roma and Fnatic. It is Ranners. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Yeah, good. And uh, we also have the foot tactician, although now going as the foot coach. Yeah, I knew you was going to call me foot well, tactician it's, there, Ben. It's not yeah. been that long, um, has it? So we're still... It's not. We're still, still transitioning, but it's very much at the foot coach the foot on Twitter. Coach. I'll yeah, get that yeah. one in early. Busy week, obviously, with the with the new patch coming out, which we're obviously going to talk about later. Oh, we're actually so. going to talk about it right now, right now so let's just, let's just get straight into it. How do we feel about the nerf to AI defending runners? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, it's not the biggest kind of nerf of AI defending ever, but it definitely has reduced it a bit. It's made the defense a lot more passive, as well as lowering the amount of AI blocks. Uh, so it's pretty good overall, I think. It's probably a bit more subtle than I was expecting, which isn't necessarily a bad mm-hmm. thing, I guess. Pretty much as Ran has said, uh, there's, there's fewer blocks. It's easier to dribble against when you're matched up against a player that's AI-controlled. Um, especially R1 dribbling, RB dribbling, close control. Uh, you can do that for days now if you're, if you're facing mm. a, uh, an AI-controlled player. Yeah, on the whole, I think it's good. Uh, pace seems to be back as well. I've noticed that um, when balls are played down the wing, especially the threaded through ball where there's, there's tons of room for the wingers to run onto it, pace seems to be to be back it's, it's easy for the attackers to out, out sprint well, I, don't, I don't really get this people are saying pace is back to be honest I haven't noticed a difference I mean the patch notes don't say that so no I, I, I suppose to sort of yeah, to, be, to be a little bit clearer in terms of what I'm saying it's perhaps not the case that pace is back but the nerf to, to the AI defenders has perhaps made made defenders slightly slower in reacting to situations yeah. so when a ball's hit past them you, you tend to find that the, the quick wingers, the likes of the Mbappes and what have you, can can really get a couple of steps on them and get in behind them much easier. I don't know, like part of me wonders whether this is a classic case of people kind of reading too much into a patch. I mean, there isn't anything in the patch about, you know, there isn't anything to indicate pace would change or that the feeling of pace being more significant would change because the changes that they've made to the AI defending 
are about blocking of shots and about tackling, like, like making AI tackles less effective, making AI blocks less effective. So that's not interception. So I'm, I'm kind of confused by that. I think because it says a teammate defender will stretch to block a shot, a teammate defender will stretch to make a tackle. You could say maybe this means that in some way changes have been made to the way that they stretch to make interceptions, which which would back up what you're both saying, right? Yeah, well, I think I think it's just it, it's part of the pressure because there's definitely a pressure like uh, downgrade. Like it is a lot easier to like dribble at defenders, right? They kind of back off more. So I think it's just that can be perceived as a drop in pace by the AI, but also like a true ball. They're not going to chase it as aggressively as you will being the attacker. So I think that's it's just knock on effects basically. Pace itself hasn't changed, but how the AI defends it has. The pace of the AI defenders seems to have changed, if anything. Okay, that's interesting. I definitely think that you can feel that difference in terms of AI tackling. If you go and, you know, you were saying this earlier, but if you use sort of close control dribbling in the box, if you dribble towards goal or a slight angle away from an AI-controlled player, they don't make a tackle where they probably would in the previous patch, which is quite a big change. But one of the things that you, we were just talking about, the pressure element, kind of interesting that, they've made it so that the stamina does really drain much quicker when you team press. I have to say, I was never sort of team pressing for a whole game. Were either of you doing that? I, no, but um, I've played quite a lot of games since the patch came out, and I've certainly come across plenty of opponents who have been doing it, and I've been keeping an eye on their on their mm. fitness bar down at the bottom of the screen. And to be quite honest with you, I found it hard to find any correlation between the, uh, the fitness draining and the performance getting a great mm. deal. Worse. So basically, players stamina's draining but then it's not actually impacting their ability to press I, yeah i don't feel like it's affecting them in a, mm. greatly no that they, they don't seem to get slower it doesn't seem to get any easier or any less stressful to play around mm. the press so yeah certainly with the nerfs there how effective it's actually being um i'm not convinced that it's that it's been quite strong enough i think the main effect of the nerf is like so it does drain stamina a bit faster and basically where you see that is more when they get the ball back and attack you they're a lot more tired whereas the press is kind of still as effective but when they start Mm. attacking you they are stamina drained it is harder yeah because there's no doubt if you're running up the wing with a player whose stamina is drained they're going to struggle to make that long run without slowing down significantly so i guess in some ways, that is one of the big negatives for, for players high-pressing now. Are either of you planning to kind of change the way you're set up because of this patch? Um, mine hasn't really changed much. Um, I don't know, I'm thinking I might leave a few more people on stay forward because it does, the back four, like I'm saying, is backing off a bit more. And if there's a huge gap between my cam staying forward and their CDMs needing to get back, I can literally just run at their back four and score before they even can catch me. So mm. I might do something like that. I've seen a lot of that happening actually around us. I've seen a lot of that happening. Um, we were saying just before we started in the chit chat beforehand, four one two one two narrow is back big time, and there's a lot now of people parking the bus effectively, going back to the old ping pong back up to the uh, to the three attackers, and then just as you say, running straight at the back four. That is probably going to that be the new meta. natural part of nerfing AI blocking and AI defensive tackling because we're back in a situation where potentially you can go through the middle of a team much easier than you were able to before. I felt like I one of the big positives about this game was the fact that using the wide areas felt pretty effective. And if now we're going to have a situation where going through the middle is just as effective as it has been last year then i don't know were we going back to sort of a fifa 18 2.0 situation rather than fifa 19 because i did feel like there was significant differences in the game if that does start to prove the case then it's a bit of a worry potentially this patch could lead us back along that path where possession was kind of very effective um is in in the sense that you could time waste really easily because pressure was less effective etc etc I have to say, I didn't feel like the like AI defending was a huge, huge issue. Like I personally, if I'd had a choice, I probably wouldn't have patched AI defending. Ran as it were you somebody who thought that there should be changes? Um, no, I thought it was actually okay. Like you don't want goals to be 
just counter-attacking goals all the time. You should have to, you know, do some build-up goals. Mm. You should be able to pass it around a bit. Um, I would have hoped for just a manual buff rather than an AI nerf that subsequently becomes a manual buff by default. Definitely. Yeah, I'd nice, agree with that. But, totally. uh, but then on the other hand, it's not like a massive, massive patch. So, you know, we'll see how things develop going forward. One thing I was going to ask is, and actually received probably the most criticism. The rest is all kind of open for discussion. The ball moving further away from the tackle player. So basically, when you tackle a player, the ball will cannon away a greater distance. And I don't know, I, I, I feel like this is making the game pretty messy. <laughs> it's great because we've now got, when you make a tackle, you're basically looking at a 50-50 as to whether it's going to go to one of your mm. players or not. And then if it does go to one of your players, you've got another 50-50 as to whether the the, the, the opponent's going to take it away mm-hmm. from you. So, yeah, <laughs> let's get more random numbers yeah. in there. And I also feel like I understand that this actually makes the game look kind of more realistic because often when players tackle in the in the real game, the ball goes quite a way away. And the thing is, in FIFA, that doesn't quite work because that ball recovery phase has always been kept minimal because if you think about the key fact that FIFA is a much shorter game than a real football game. You can't be spending a good chunk of each half like trying to get the ball back from a rebound or from a tackle. It feels a little bit weird. I don't know whether this will change as people kind of get the hang of it a bit more. And I imagine if you have very good tacklers or you're very accurate with your pressing of the tackle button, I think you can reduce the, the distance the ball travels. I think acceleration is going to yeah, be Yeah, exactly. Big acceleration thing. and um, maybe reactions on the player will help to, to sort of make this less of an issue yeah. but like yeah it, it does feel a bit weird at the moment I don't know is that the same at sort of the top level runners for you? yeah pretty much yeah that could be a bit of an issue right so another thing that's kind of not been addressed which a lot of people were thinking would be addressed and we've talked about a lot on the podcast is finesse shots we can say now because Tom Kalefi is a gameplay producer on Twitter replied to one of Andy friend of the pod's tweets saying that what Andy was saying he was concerned about finesse shots and and Tom replied saying that it was definitely something they were looking into sort of thing. I think it will become more of an issue with the change to AI defending. I felt like it was something that needed looking at before, but now perhaps even more so. I don't know whether, runners you've found them just as easy to score now as you did before. It feels like kind of easier. Yeah, it's definitely easier. See, what what was kind of combating it at the top level anyways was you would kind of sit your... Uh, center back or whatever defender kind of one side and you'd move your goalkeeper to the other side so if they shot either way it was getting either blocked or saved uh, but with the AI nerf now it's pretty difficult to kind of put your defender in that position so you get people going left right left right and then just eventually finessing whichever way your keeper isn't because once again at the top level you've got Isabio, Ronaldo, Kroos you know all these five star week for players that can just hit you with either side so just conceding so many goals now, it seems just so easy to score. I think the problem really with the finesse shots lies as much with the goalkeepers as it does with the, the attackers. I think perhaps rather than nerfing the finesse, or equally with nerfing the finesse, the goalkeepers have to be buffed. Um, we, we spoke about this some time ago, mm-hmm. Ben, about how if you if you watch the finesse shot frame by frame, Forget about the keeper reacting as the player opens up his body to take the finesse. You know, forget about him anticipating it in any kind of way. He's still flat-footed even as the player strikes mm. the ball, and that's just not realistic. That's that doesn't happen in football. The keeper will, will anticipate it, and he'll almost be going in that direction before the player even touches the ball. And I think that's a big problem with with the finesse shots. I think um, perhaps yeah. I mean, the point that you raised um, again when we were speaking before about Matuidi saying that he can just bang finesses into the top corner. But it's not realistic, so that obviously needs nerfing a bit as well. But I think that at the same time, maybe keepers should be uh, should be dealing with these shots a bit better. Ranners, do you you move, obviously move the keeper, I guess. Do you find that that is something that you're capable of kind of doing fine? Like you can move the defender manually and then move the keeper to the right side? Or is it a bit of a... Uh, like, I've even, just moved the keeper. Yeah, even <laughs> for me, I'm like... Because I obviously, you know, practice X amount of day, like, and I mm. still can struggle to do it. And a lot of pros still struggle to do it, like, because it is to think like you're you're defending somebody face up that probably has a five star weak foot, whilst 
trying to move the goalkeeper. Like you do, your mind just gets confused because it is doing two things at once. And I'll... yeah, and you can't you can't look in two places at once, can you? <laughs> Either that's the other thing. And yeah, I'll, most of the time you're doing it opposite, right? So if you want to move your defender to the left, you're gonna put your goalkeeper to the right, kind of to block both angles. So it's just really it is very difficult. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit of a what's what's the thing like? Pat your head and rub your tummy kind of situation. Mm, yeah. I was just imagining the, the row in my house just there, yeah, with that <laughs> doing that drill, yeah. Training sessions where, where the players are just sitting in the <laughs> training drill, rub, rub your belly and pat your head, lads. <laughs> yeah, I think we all well, seem pretty similar page in terms of the patch overall. Obviously, if, if you listen to have any points on the patch as we, we get sort of further into this week and, and into the next one, you've played it a bit more, do get in touch at Foot Weekly Pod, and I'm sure. At the foot coach, we'll, we'll hear your views as well, as, as will... Yeah, I'd love to. ...at Ranners. So let's talk about probably the biggest news in the FIFA scene, my elite finish in the weekend league again. I should just say, for people who are kind of listening for the first time, people who may be not so familiar, I haven't got elite in a previous FIFA, I believe. Before I got elite the week before last, my best finish was gold too. So it was obviously a big improvement for that last elite finish and, and you can go back and listen to that podcast I was saying last week loads of you listened and, and loads of you got in touch as well especially the tip about changing your camera to co-op was a really popular suggestion a lot of you said that worked for you well what I wanted to kind of talk about is well first of all I changed the team a bit um, I was very fortunate I got Red Salah and honestly didn't even go all out like my, my midfield was Fabinho and Condogbia still so it's not crazy quick i also had pretty bad delay on friday saturday and i think a lot of people did didn't do very well actually to be honest and i was kind of thinking can i get gold one because i was on 17 wins had six games left and just about managed to win all six games to get elite and actually in the final game that i played my opponent came up on the loading screen and i'd already played him that day not only that but he'd beaten me fairly comfortably his team was way better than mine. He had Ronaldo, etc. But he disconnected in about the 23rd minute. Maybe he was looking for a shout out on the foot weekly. Shout out that guy, you know. He took to the, long- the thing is, I checked his wins afterwards by adding him, and he was on 22 wins. So that loss actually stopped him getting elite that week. So yeah, I think I was pretty fortunate, basically. But considering the like bad luck I'd had with delay and stuff earlier in the weekend, and um, I was actually tracking my games and noting that in every game that I had what I'd call significant delay, like just a bit, so a bit worse than just your standard button delay, I'd lose like guaranteed. And in the delayed games, I'd be losing to players who were similar ability basically. So yeah, it does make a huge difference. And I I would really encourage people, if you can, I I don't know, Ranas, you probably have amazing internet where you are. If you play your games later in the weekend, I think it's a bit different for top 100 players because of skill points and stuff, but way better chance of getting good connection in your games. Is that the case for you? Connection wise, it's not, although there's not much difference, but this week, um, just gone on Black Friday, I, I made the mistake of playing. It was, it was atrocious. As you know, I have the best mm. internet pretty much possible, but the servers were just dying, basically, and mm. uh, my game was just constantly freezing, and then I just lost. Um, somehow, like, I actually couldn't do anything, so, um, it was pretty annoying. But yeah, in general, I, I think Sunday, definitely the day to play. Um, well, so you probably avoid maybe get slightly easier matchups. I don't know yeah, because of the fact that most players who are really committed are going to get in their games pretty early. Yeah. Uh, you also get more people quitting just because they're trying to fit in games. So that's that's a positive, I think. One of the questions that I get asked most often is how do pro players play through the lag and still come out with wins all the time? So thanks <laughs> for answering that, Ranus. It's, it's not that you have some sort of magical powers where you can. You can somehow override it all. It, it happens to everybody, you know. There's, there's no magical solution to it. I, I was going to ask you, Ben. Actually, um, who did you bring Salah in for? Yeah. So what I did was, well, it was it was a tough decision. I've been using Mbappe for ages, and he, he is fantastic. There was a little bit of right. me that was like, oh, this Salah's exciting, but Mbappe has been like my staple up front for a long time. But I ended up taking him out. I used Fabinho and Striker to link them up. You can see the team on Twitter, um, actually, if you want, at Foot Weekly Ben. But what I did to change the team, I suppose, was whereas I had Depay and Mbappe up front, I then did have uh, actually Neymar and, and Salah. So in terms from that perspective, I guess the team was improved a fair bit and then was playing Depay, the SBC Depay on left mid. So it's a 4-1-1, four, four, one, one, which was how I set up most of the time. So 
you'd then have Ben Yedder right mid and the two central midfield positions, Condobia and Fabinho, and then a defence of... Uh, well, I actually had to play Mendy, the Leon left-back for Kem. So he's obviously a significant kind of downgrade on Alba, who I had before. And then centre-backs, Ramos and Hernandez with a quarter in goal, and then uh, second and form, Lala. And it was it was actually fairly solid team. <laughs> like, I think the midfield surprised me. It was actually kind of okay maybe the sort of slightly slower heavier gameplay helped them uh, in some ways but certainly uh, at times got caught out uh, on the counter because they just couldn't get back in the same way that I had maturity before um, really could but yeah the 4-4-1-1 I actually really do like it. I know I mentioned it last time but I'd uh, I'd encourage people to try that out if they're looking for a formation which is similar to the 4-2-3-1 but you get a much higher centre forward, I guess. The cam in the four-two-three-one tends to drop back a bit more, so you get quite good sort of interchange between the centre forward and, and the striker in that formation. What I did was have stay back on the centre mids, stay on the edge of the box on the centre mids, get in behind on the left mid, right mid, and also stay wide. I think I had that on the right mid just because I wanted Ben Yedda to stretch things a little bit, could then cross it in um, if I wanted to. It's nice to pull your opponent wide if possible especially when you've got centre forward striker to kind of link up together um, and what I'd often do is have the ball come into the centre forward striker kind of do some interplay the opponent would kind of get drawn in especially when most people do play a bit narrow and then you'd release the the pie or the Ben Yedda and you know right. sometimes you can finish sometimes you'd cut it back to, to Neymar and Salah So your centre forward was Neymar? Yeah centre forward was Neymar and Salah was the striker who actually did it so you really need a centre forward. You need somebody who's who's going to be able to pass the ball rather than just having an out and out striker. Sort exactly. Of I think it's important. It's someone who can kind of drift around into pockets. Uh, the five star weak foot is obviously great for that position. Just being able to sort of threaten on your left and right foot, as as Rannis was actually saying earlier. I think it was really important. Certainly better than Depay, who I had before there, who was three star weak foot. So you know you were a bit limited. Um, Depay still did the business, but he was he was quite well, probably maybe more effective on the left mid spot actually because his strength. Even I was playing him on engine to boost his pace actually and passing, but his strength felt very good against almost all of the right backs he came up against and was able to hold them off. And I don't think people are particularly ready for a winger with a lot of strength unless they're of, of his size. He's only five nine, obviously. You know, if you see Bale, you know what you're going to get. But uh, Depay, I think, caught a few people out, which is quite fun. And I also found that Depay's free kicks were quite good. I've actually scored a fair few free kicks. Um, people aren't really mm. at certainly the level I'm playing, moving the keeper across to cover those. Depay has exceptional free kick stats. Uh, if you have a player with really high curve and free kick uh, stats, then I'd definitely like give it a go and, and start taking free kicks rather than just laying them off. People are also quite ready for the layoff now. Whereas I'd say maybe even taking the free kick on and, and threatening makes people a little bit less well they, they just anticipate the layoff less and then you can do that if you want so work quite well didn't you find with the four four one one that there was a problem with your opponents playing between your lines because you've got two very flat lines with the four four one one. you know there's often a lot of space between your back four and your your midfield four i kind of expected that but i suppose i don't play in terms of tactics i'm playing slightly more defensive maybe in terms of the depth but then generally one of either Condogbio or Fabinho would tend to sit and the other one go forward. So you did tend to have someone fill in there. And also I think with Ramos and Hernandez, so Lucas Hernandez, the inform, who who I have shadow on, so he's got 96 pace, actually kind of gets you out of a problem. Ramos would often step up and just kind of go straight to a player, quite aggressive. Uh, and then Hernandez would always be there to cover if they managed to slip the through ball through. So I think... Ramos obviously has the high attacking and medium defensive and Hernandez has the, the high defensive medium attacking. So I think the two of them work quite well in tandem. I think I think the high attacking on a centre-back could become quite important actually post-patch. I think it was a curse previously, but I think that now it may actually be uh, be something that's quite quite important in terms of, as you say, closing well, down. I kind of found that a bit with the midfield as well because I had high attacking on Condogbia, medium defensive obviously. So he does try and push forward a bit more, which probably left Fabinho in the sort of defensive midfield role rather than centre mid role more often so that was probably actually a, a bit of a blessing in disguise but yeah I'd, I'd say that the four four one one is is a really strong formation and I, the only thing I'm concerned about is if people try to play through the middle more maybe we'll have a, a bit more of an issue but this leads me on nicely to how I've been 
counteracting those formations. The people who've been listening before um, will know that I was using the 352 and people are keen to find out more about that. So kind of simple in a way, you use game plans. Um, I'd switch almost instantly, like straight away in the game. I've sw- I'm switching to three at the back if I see um, a formation along the lines of the three, uh, four, three, one, two, or four, one, two, one, two. Putting stay back on the CDMs. Strikers, you want to stay forward, but you, you might want one on drift wide, maybe, just to kind of open up the space up front. And you want to uh, press on heavy touch. And I'd put your attacking on balanced. And then in sort of in terms of the sliders, you got everything in the middle, but you want the depth possibly a little bit deeper and you want to have players in the box re- reduced slightly. I just think because of the number of players that you have going forward sometimes, um, you can just overcommit if you, if you have that a bit higher. Uh, and then, sorry, just to go back to the four four one one. I was also using heavy touch, press on heavy touch on that. And I've noticed a few players, even your top players are using press on heavy touch. I do think it's a nice solid base. You can always go high pressure if you want to on the D-pad. And it's, it does sort of scare your opponents who are maybe a little bit less competent on the ball, especially when they have it along the defensive line. Ranners, is that, do you use that? What, what tactic do you tend to go for in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I was using... Pressure. Well, I still am using pressure on heavy touch, but now um second-guessing it. Uh, once again, it all comes back to how easy it is to run at your back four now because press on heavy touch... Well, there's two parts. First of all, if your opponent is good, he can on purposely take a heavy touch and uh, your team will start to press which includes Mm. your cdms um Mm. which pushes them up then if they have like cristiano ronaldo at cam or somebody which they might have they can just do an x pass or square to ronaldo who's just ahead of all the cdms now and then they can just have four people on your back four just like that so it can be exploited in that way, um, and especially now. Tricks of the tried here. I don't know what I stick with it because <laughs> it is starting to get exploited, especially with how hard it is to get CDMs back in time now. Yeah, I definitely don't think anyone at the level that I've been playing at is clever enough to do that. But I know what you mean, that the gap that can open up when you're pressing, I guess, between the defence and the field can be exploited, can't it? So I think you've got to be a little bit careful with that. Well, I think one of the things that I do do is I will look at what's gone on in the first half uh, and at, at half time sometimes just change tactics slightly. So might go back to balanced. Sometimes I've used drop back, but it might be more effective now with the patch. But I just always felt like you were just opening yourself up to finesse shots when you did that. So I've not been soaking to, to go for that. But then apart from the 3-5-2, I also have a 3-4-2-1 as the most attacking formation. It is so much more effective, I think, at creating attacking opportunities against narrow formations just because you have the two players out wide rather than the strikers occasionally drifting out there. I wouldn't recommend starting with that because you're opening yourself up in the centre of the pitch uh, with the centre mids not being quite so defensive as the CDMs. But with this one, I'm basically just playing the same thing as the 3-5-2, but you're you're notching everything up a bit, I guess. So you're having less depth and pushing your team up a bit higher. But you don't want to put your depth too uh, narrow because you've obviously got massive space out wide for players to run into. So I think with all of these things, you've got to think about like what players you have in your team. If you're making your back three wider, though, Ben, aren't you opening? No, no, yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying you might want to decrease your width, but at the same time, right. I think you don't want to decrease it too much because you are opening yourself up. To, to, yeah, to players that wide. The thing is, and this is kind of what we're saying about using this formation, you can make your, your defence narrower because you're only using this formation against teams which are playing narrow. So you shouldn't have too much of an issue with that. So I would decrease the width, but not to the extent that you know, you're really overdoing it. So their left back and right back are going to be in acres of space. So there's a bit of figuring out right. what works for you. It, you know, so I've I guess got, if you were playing there, so you were playing somebody with the four one two one two narrow and you notice that their full-backs mm. were pushing on, that would be the time when you'd probably think, okay, maybe I need to, to look at doing something different here. Yeah, I think some players are actually quite good with their left and right back, and it's something that I think, well, we were actually talking about runners before, this idea that people are using their wing-backs more than in previous years, and stay-back is not kind of what people are defaulting to, if you like, on their left-back and right-back. So I think if you face someone who is very good with their left and right back in terms of attacking, you might want to go for something slightly different. That being said, if, you're, if your right mid and left mid are 
defensively okay. Like they they have some defensive work rate. I think you can survive if you're if you're okay with with tracking them with those players. But yeah, I think I think you've got to play it by ear a little bit on that. With both of the three of the back formations, you've got to consider what players you have in what positions because I'm using that Lucas Hernandez who has, as I was saying, 96 pace with shadow. So obviously that's like having a left or right back. Well, he is a left left back, isn't he? At your wide centre-back position. But a lot of people, if they have slower centre-backs, are not going to be able to play someone with that level of agility and pace as a wide centre-back. I would not go into this formation if you have two centre-backs who are like sub-90 pace. If one of them is slower, they can go in the middle and that's fine. But you're really going to struggle if you don't have a centre-back you can play as a wide centre-back so if you're going to do that run this kind of switching between the 4-4-1-1 and the 3-5-2 kind of system I think you need to have players who can comfortably play those positions I had to use Mendy as a left midfielder <laughs> really didn't enjoy that he's not very good on the ball but he does have four star four star having that kind of player at left mid just didn't really work that well. Um, actually, I think, Steve, you mentioned this when we were talking about it before. You know, don't expect the three at the back to work straight away. You need to practice with these oh, formations. Yeah. They're not they're not the kind of formations, you know, it's not like switching four four one one to four two three one where they're quite comparable. Yeah. With the three at the back formations, there's a lot of, like, thinking about positioning. And last year I tried it quite a lot, and I never really felt it worked that well. So <laughs> I think you do need to think about your player choice think about playing with the formation enough to get used to it and just not expect things to happen instantly it's i'm interested in what you were saying about the um i mean we did again before we began we, we did talk about this briefly about the the kind of the change in in approach that people are taking more with the the fullbacks um as you were saying last year the the meta to use that oh, i hate that word the, the meta was to have the, the fullbacks on stay back while attacking whereas this year you are seeing people use balanced a lot more and i think that's interesting in the sense that uh that that's what's happening with actual football you know again it's it's the art imitating life kind of thing um and i, I think it's encouraging to see that and i think it is changing the way that that we do have to defend um and i do think that going back to the patch again briefly i think uh maybe the patch might stop people doing that so much because of the counter attacking again but it's certainly an interesting development. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just round up the section talking about how I've been playing and saying that that attacking fullback thing I think is important in the four four one one. Like you do want that option to whether it's to pass back to work it around. And I've I've talked in the last podcast before last if that makes sense about how important I find passing it along the back line. You know the pivot. And I know that sounds to runners. I'm sure that sounds like quite a basic. I bet you're someone who probably does that quite often. Just passes it through the back line to move it around or. Or, or takes possession and, and uses um, some passing play in your own third to, I guess, unlock some options and, and force your opponent to make mistakes, I suppose. Yeah, it is. It, I would do it like most attacks unless it's like um, a counterattack. Mm. Because like w- what it does is like your team, I don't know, I feel teams drag kind of to one side of the pitch a bit more this year. Mm. Um, and you can just easily kind of catch them out if they have too many players one side of the pitch mm. and and do you tend to use that do you find that's very effective because what i've noticed is you know you can tell certain players slightly less experienced slightly maybe more prone to a bit of um panic and a bit of rage like if you do that against them their game plan or the way they're playing kind of goes to pot mm, yeah it definitely does like disrupt them if you will um but also what I find is, because I do have my fullbacks unbalanced, uh, if I start at my left back, say for example, and then I make a couple of passes to my right centre back, then my right back, Hal Walker, is already kind of at the halfway line. Mm. So I just head it to him and then you've got him running like ahead very fast. And then my right attacking mid is kind of making that run in behind. And then they're stuck with their left back either tracking the run or they come to me and then I can just pass it off. So. Hypothetically, Randus, how would you feel, let's say that Marcelo was your left back, how comfortable would you feel having him unbalanced if you had a, a full back who was prone to making attacking runs? Yeah, I, I can't get on with Marcelo at all. I feel he's so slow mm-hmm. and I feel like he, he yeah. bombs forward. Like, well, he has low defensive work rate, doesn't he? Yes, he? the high low. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't track I think people do have to and pay I attention can, to the work yeah, rates if they're going to have the full-backs unbalanced. Mm. But 
Marcelo on the ball and saying that is incredible for a fullback. Mm. Um, so it, 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 your attack would be incredible, right, with it. But oh, you get caught out so much. So I think just to say, a lot of people asked about sort of more in-depth tactics and formations and player selections and uh, instructions and things and I guess I've covered it in some ways obviously if it needs clarifying like get in touch I should mention that I didn't mention my most defensive one just very briefly it's 4-2-3-1 narrow and basically you put all your uh, instructions to keep players defensive and I would only use that in maybe the last like 5-10 minutes against a player who's like obviously better than you and you feel like you really just need those extra numbers I imagine with the patches it is as well but I would not um, put your players on drop back I'd still have I'd go for defensively balanced basically and go for possession as well so you can work the ball and, and try and keep it and waste a bit of time basically I'm all over the cynical moves this year one thing that <laughs> one thing that's maybe made me play a bit better I think those those tactics that you talked to there were referred to on uh, the good old footstop podcast as shithouse tactics weren't they yeah, I think they definitely were. Actually, talking of tactics, is something we discussed before the podcast. I think, Steve, you're going to handle this because Ran has had to dash off. Um, he'll be back after the break and after we've chatted to Wise about trading. Steve, Marcus asks how he can set pressure manually. Have you got any tips for that? Right, so having spoken with Ranners about this, a really good technique for creating that kind of pressure and one which will which will catch a lot of people out is to to run towards the player in possession whilst also using second man press so you're effectively rushing him with two players and then as you're controlling the player who's kind of running straight towards the player so to speak just as you're about to get there and just as you're about to tackle him switch player and control the player that was on second man press if that makes sense because what will often happen is that the um, when your opponent sees that he's being rushed rushed at headlong he'll turn to a different direction and he'll not be expecting the tackle to come in from the side. There's a handy pro tip and one that comes almost directly from Rannis. Well, thanks, Steve, for conveying that. We'll be back, as I said, after the break with a chat with Wise FIFA about investments after Black Friday and before Footmas. And then later on, we'll be chatting about the competitive scene with Rannis and much, much more. Safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. If you're enjoying this podcast, there are, of course, many ways to subscribe. And one of those is Spotify. Just go to the Spotify app and type in Foot Weekly to find us. Hit subscribe and you'll have all our podcasts when they come out. A quick reminder that we're continuing to promote Calm. Because suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK. If you're finding things difficult, please reach out to Calm at thecalmzone.net. Hey Wise, how are you doing? Long time no speak. Hey Ben, good to catch up. Uh, doing well myself. Hopefully this past weekend was pretty good for you. You know there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it has been Black Friday and uh, we, we built up to it a lot and there was a lot of content. But I think one of the key things that from a market perspective people were, I wouldn't say caught out by because I think a lot of people, including yourself, I think were, were suggesting this would happen. It was actually the rise in price of a lot of the meta in demand players. Yeah, no, I uh, I totally think that that was something that a lot of people had touched on. I feel like a lot of, you know, Twitter traders or, you know, some of those trader influencers had been coy with it. But we all had that in the back of our head that you were going to see the rise in price of weekend league quality players, uh, especially mm. informs or icons, uh, really take off during this promotion. And in terms of the curveball i guess from a market perspective they threw in the best of team of the week and and that that had quite an interesting effect as well yeah no i thought that was a really i thought that was a really good move from ea to keep this promo even more interesting i know some people already were like they beefed up the regular team of the week but i think that really helped in terms of uh, getting people a little bit more engaged with sbcs and when we got those team of the week guarantees it made them even uh, even better to open and uh, I thought a lot of people enjoyed that content a ton. So did you pack anybody anybody particularly good? I did only did one team of the week SPC uh, and ended up with, I can't remember who it was, but it was a, a you know, Discord inform. So uh, yeah, one of the things on the team of the week was the rise in price of some of the players, obviously, that were 
in that team of the week unexpectedly, if that makes sense. So the likes of obviously had an informed Neymar, informed Mbappe, they actually really shot up the regular cards because they were then out of packs. Yeah, no, I definitely, I remember uh, I had a couple friends of mine just like personally asking me, and of course on streams I've had people ask me like, when's the best time to buy Mbappe or Neymar? People were really looking forward to picking up those players. And so mm. with so much pent up buying power and the fact that, you know, they are no longer on the market, uh, those prices really shot up on, you know, Thursday and Friday. Uh, it was it was really interesting to see. If people didn't spend their coins because they saw player prices go up, have they kind of missed their chance um, um, to get in on, on purchases? Hmm, that's no, that's an interesting question that I've been toying with myself, uh, but I don't think so. I don't think they necessarily have missed the time to buy your teams, especially because hmm. it's like, you know, yeah, Black Friday passed. Honestly, the best time to buy was probably, you know, a week before or that weekend before Black Friday when we had those uh, UCL live items just drop. But, mm. you know, you, you got to buy. I mean, at some point you're going to have to buy anyways. You know, you can't be waiting. I think the next huge drop we're going to get is team of the year. Looking at the prices from last year, you know, the, the prices of those high icons, high informs, and even high rated gold items is going to stay pretty high, you know, stay at the premium that they're currently at. But mm. I do think that, you know, if you are looking to buy, you know, be smart about it. Uh, I think some people have been preaching this year and there's kind of been a small trend developing where, you know, weekend league, there's a weekend league buying cycle, if you will. Uh, try to buy on, you know, Sunday through Wednesday when, you know, a lot of people are selling. Uh, foot champ or foot, foot weekend league hasn't really uh, wound up yet, the hype for it. And then, of course, if you want to look into flip those items, you know, you buy Sunday mm-hmm. through Wednesday and flip Thursday, Friday evening for um, some good profit. And I think that that's something you're going to have to do. Uh, going forward because I don't necessarily see the prices of any items coming down unless we get a uh, surprising uh, SBC or you know new item that I don't think EA have in store for us at the moment. And one thing that I'd say personally is potentially good advice. If you're looking at the market thinking, oh, prices have risen quite significantly, I, I didn't spend my coins, then I'd, I'd maybe just wait now till around Christmas time because prices tend to drop quite significantly then don't they yeah. you're looking at some of those meta golds dropping by maybe even a quarter of the, their current price um in previous years so i mean it's only about a month till christmas now so you potentially wait another month and you know you've profited a quarter of whatever right. coins you have no that i think sense. that's a i think that's a sound assessment of course you know i just was trying to mention if people were trying to get in now but i agree with you if yeah, yeah you yeah. know if 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 you're someone that you know has a team that they like using, you know, feels kind of competitive with it. I totally think that that's a good call. Uh, of course, we always can touch it. We're going to maybe touch on some sneaky investments for some upcoming promos in a little bit. So that might be a better mm-hmm. allocation of your coins if, you, uh, if you're if you looking to do that, because I think that's really sound reasoning. You see a lot of those informs even at that time, you know, people just either switching games or, you know, that's when we get some supply that really does overtake the, the demand of the market, unlike what we've seen for Black Friday. Moving on to some other interesting and more recent changes in the market. We had UCL Live promo, and we're about a week out from it. Um, Prices have risen quite considerably for some of those players who are playing in the Champions League this week. I mean, you look at the likes of even Fekir rising about 50k because his team um, looked likely to progress, and Fabinho before he's even played at sort of 400k (laughs) up, maybe 120 um, on what he was when the promo ended. Yeah, that, I, I totally I agree. I was definitely monitoring those prices during Black Friday. Of course, you know, you see that you go, you wish hi, hindsight's twenty twenty. thought I got it. I thought I would get in on even more of them. But I was like, man, mm-hmm. these players prices. I was tracking personally, I was tracking like uh, inform or not inform UCL live Florenzi uh, because I think he's going to be a beast right back. But I was looking at his price and he was going for like, I don't want to really I, like two days ago. I was like, I don't really want to pay more than 170 K. And of course, now he's on Xbox. At least he's all the way up like uh, 200s to 20 or something. So I think that, you know, it's another case of one of those things where the supply of those cards on the market seems very low at the moment. Uh, I hope people are just hoarding them, but I do believe also that uh, it could be a nice, uh, that could be a nice, you know, dynamic item uh, SBC. We, like we saw last year with the path to glories. I mean, cause it'd be similar in terms. I mean, I don't know they don't get upgraded the same, but it'd be similar. And last year, I think that that path to glory promotion just like the original UCLI promotion drove the market down. And if EA is looking to do the same thing for some of those higher rated items, like we talked about with icons, that this might be another good, uh, another good method as well. Just, you know, getting in on another SBC just to help yeah. us with some content. 
it was quite an interesting team from that perspective. They really packed it full of like meta players. One of the things that I wanted to say on the UCL, we kind of discussed this last week, but it'd be interesting to get your view. My thoughts on that is it's the worst time to buy right now those cards because we've just come off Black Friday. People have coins. They spent real money to get coins. It's a very recent promo, so people are really interested in those cards still. The Champions League's come again, so people are even more interested in those cards. And actually, almost certainly, we're going to have the end of the Champions League and those prices drop once they get upgraded, as often happens. I totally agree with you. I also, another thing that I like to think about with uh, why some of these are a little expensive is because they're honestly just also like beautiful looking cards. Like I would love to play with these cards <laughs> in my like in my team. I know what you mean. Yeah, get those yeah. in your squad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Give exactly. me more. Give me more content like that. EA like that with like the yeah, stadium yeah. in the background. Mm, that was, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It does look really good, and I think that can't be underestimated. But also quite interesting if some of them drop into the um, Europa League. Obviously, they're not going to look quite so good. So whether that'll affect their price is quite an interesting little. Uh, prospect oh, for when sure. actually some of them should be more likely to to get upgrades in the europa league yeah no i totally think that that's a uh, that's a viable method uh, i'd say especially in a in a group like uh, napoli liverpool and psg whichever uh, player drops down whether that be like homsik and pembe or fabinho that might be one of the better shouts because when they drop down they're going to be considered one of the favorites but at the same time mm-hmm. when they first get you know eliminated from the champions league if you will i believe you'll see like a panic selling and so that might be a little nifty technique that I think uh, that I think people should be on the lookout for. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. And then we'll move on to how people kind of kind of make investments moving forward. The next big promo, um, I think I I can guess what it might be, but what, what do we think it is? Uh, I believe that it's going to be footmas. You know, we entered the holiday yeah. season after uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Now it's time to get in on that, you know, Christmas, you know, whatever holiday you're celebrating coming up. So a lot of stuff on the horizon for us uh, uh, in that footmas, <laughs> in this footmas time of year. And what kind of uh, investments would a wise Santa Claus recommend? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I really like the looks of, you know, some of the uh, discard informs and some cheap uh, 84 informs, uh, especially if you can target, you know, those positions that are a little bit, you know, pinched. Uh, I like a, an example, maybe a Kolarov left back. You know, you don't see many higher mm. rated left backs, uh, even yep. though, you know, I'm not, I mean, of course, if we could have a longer discussion, it'd be nice to flesh out what happens to team of the week 10. But at the same time, I think that that is an item that uh, based on, you know, looking at some historical trends from last year, will have a decent uh, rise in price if the requirements are, similar for you know in footmas we get those player sb the count on player sbcs and other really Mm. fun sbcs that people can submit and you know the requirements are usually along the lines of you know you need a couple informs to get some of these players uh and any other kind of special items which you might recommend picking up i know last year we saw quite a few different types of special items used in the requirements yeah i think that you know i'm not someone that's maybe as sold on the likes of ones to watch we don't have that many hero items. I believe he just had that mm. one Swedish player. But, yeah. uh, of course, you know, we have the Scream items. And I think that there could be some good money and good return on investment in the Scream category. I think EA mm-hmm. aren't going to take, you know, EA notice things and prices in the market. And right now, a lot of Scream items are really close to discard. I mean, you got like Kalinoglu, uh, Kasaras, like all of those items are, you know, pretty low in price that... In that 10 to 13k region, you know, couldn't I mean, even if you just want to use them till their pace gets upgraded to 90 plus, like, you know, there's a lot of different mm-hmm. ways to get in, and they were used for footmas SBC, so I think that could be a nice little market to look into. Well, wise, it's been great to have you back. Uh, fantastic advice, as always. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. It was a it's a pleasure getting back into the flow of these things. Been really loving the podcast this year. You've had some amazing guests, so I'm honored to be able to come on right now. It's been a no, no, it's, been a it's great stuff. to have you on, and we'll be keen to get you in for a proper podcast when our schedules work a bit better. Of course, yes, exactly, man. Maybe over the Christmas period, uh, we can have um, a wise Santa Claus uh, special guest appearance. <laughs> yes, I love that nickname, so I want to let you know that I'm gonna be using it for myself <laughs> from now on. So thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, and you can follow Wise at Wise FIFA on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah, Wise FIFA on Twitter. Um, haven't been doing as much with the YouTube, but I have been starting to kind of branch out on Twitch. Really like that platform to stay engaged. Unfortunately for the EU people, it's a little late, but just also uh, mm. Wise FIFA on Twitch is something I'm trying to get started and consistent with.
Hello and welcome back after the break. One of the things that I grilled Steve on was why in Ian's stream did he persuade him to spend 1.4 mil on prime Henrik Larsson and then play a game against him. In which, to be fair, I think Larsson scored two goals, but still, a strange thing to persuade someone to do. I have to point out here that there are obviously other people called Steve who play FIFA and it would seem that Ian's just bumped into somebody with a terrible taste in strikers called Steve. So I'm washing my hands of this completely. Um, I can imagine that Ian's currently sitting there. Instead of writing new comedy material, he's just worrying himself about being undercut on listing Larson. Um, and he's trying to get rid of him currently. Um, but yeah, Ian, nothing to do with me, mate. Um, choose your Steves more carefully. But like, I've got to say, you do have a bit of a, what's the word, a penchant. I think that's the right word for questionable striker choices. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, you could reasonably accuse me of that, I suppose. Um, I think you're talking about the flashback Daniel Sturridge. Mm-hmm. I am. Well, I mean, to be honest, you went with Pato, but I'm as well, didn't you? But I'm slightly less concerned about that one because you've got quite a, a nice little untradeable Brazil team. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like the Sturridge. I don't know. I went, what was the it was, a, it was a little bit impulsive, if I'm honest, maybe. Um, One too many celebratory Black Friday beers. Well, I'd had a couple. I mean, I was, you know, obviously in a well enough state to be able to do the SBC, so I can't claim to have been that pissed, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I was kind of caught up in the moment, and I thought, you know, yeah, it's Black Friday, let's do something ace. And uh, that something ace happened to be doing the... Uh, the Daniel Sturridge SBC, and I just sort of went into it a bit gung-ho and completely forgot about his right foot and the fact that he basically has a wooden one. Um, and, yeah, it was only afterwards when I sort of proudly announced on Twitter, yeah, you know, look, I've done the uh, the Daniel Sturridge flashback that everybody started going, um, yeah, but weak foot. And I obviously looked at his stats on foothead and, um, yeah, got into a bit of a panic. So I tried using it in a few games and fortunately, happy to report, all has a happy ending. Um, he barely barely ever uses his weak foot at all. Um, if he does, woe betide anybody in row Z. Um, but it's very, very mm. rare and he's actually very, very good, very decent card. I mean, I had him score a few times against me over the weekend league. One thing I wanted to say is the amount of people that did that Chikorito SBC for, for Chikorito Hernandez, which is crazy. I mean, I know he's a bit annoying to play against, but... He's certainly not competitive. And talking of competitive runners, you uh, you still there? <laughs> <laughs> um, of course. This weekend we have a event, um, the first Champions Cup. Um, when are you, when are you flying out? Uh, for some reason, I didn't get an invite. I must have got lost in the mail. You know, nothing to do with me not qualifying. Of but course. let's let's yeah. not dwell on the negatives because you did qualify <laughs> for Champions Cup three. Right, last weekend. I did, I did over this weekend, which was pretty nice, finally, to qualify. It's my first event, which I uh, qualified for this year, which, you know, it's been a long time coming, but, you know, we got there eventually. Yeah, well, we're, we're excited for you. You're going to be... Uh, actually, where, where is Champions Cup free? Do we know yet? Uh, it's not announced yet. Uh, not announced yet. So. so, what do the Champions Cups actually mean for you as a player? Like, what do they give you? So, basically, there's six for Champions Cups, six licensed qualifier events and then there's a few other things like the club world cup and leagues such as the premier league and so basically placements in all of these events whether it's top four top eight mm-hmm. top 16 or you even win the event you get attributed a different amount of pro points then come near the end of the season there's playoffs uh, for the top 64 players and that tournament itself has points dedicated to it and then the top 16 after playoffs get invited to the grand final uh, where they play for, you know, the ultimate prize of the World Cup and probably 250k again like last year. So, pretty pretty solid. So, that's how they're doing it this year, which is different to last year because you didn't have the pro points, did you? You just had sort of these various qualifying processes which went on through Weekend League uh, and this year it's a bit different. But the, the one downside of this system is that the games to qualify for those cups take place against pros, which is a positive, I think, so it's not just weekend league, but they are on peer-to-peer connections, aren't they? They're not dedicated server games. Yeah, unfortunately, it's peer-to-peer. Which if you're playing somebody from Spain, somebody from Italy, I don't know why, mm. but them countries just they, they do have bad uh, internet infrastructure. Mm. Uh, 
know that for a fact. Um, and then you get you're playing people that you know they play that sort of connection every game. So that game style is a lot of kind of crossing and stuff mm. because it's just easier to go down the line and back connection. Uh, whereas I'm trying to do a nice little bit of tiki taka that's just not happening in this gameplay. Oh, so. Talk to me about tiki taka. I've, I've tried so hard to build some tiki taka custom tactics that work consistently, and it's just not possible. Hundred percent with yeah. you. Yeah. Thought I had it cracked, but I didn't. It's just not happening. You know that can be annoying, especially um, a couple of weeks ago. You know I was on to qualify and uh, literally got to knockout to play the Spanish player, and uh, his game plan was very much sit eleven players behind the box or oh, behind the ball. And problem with that is, in very slow delayed gameplay, you just can't pass through. The AI is going to tackle you before you can actually do anything, and. And he was very good at moving his keeper, so I couldn't long shot either. So I was just kind of stuck and unfortunately got knocked out on penalties, uh, which is pretty annoying. And that's quite but, frustrating, I guess, because yeah. obviously when you go to a competition, and these players may well get caught out once they're actually at the competition where there theoretically isn't the delay, obviously, at all. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Zimmer is over there at the moment. He's been practicing. He's telling me the gameplay on the esports version is unbelievable. It's so fast, so smooth. Mm. Um, so it'll be completely different for them. Mm. Um, but yeah. And just looking ahead to the tournament briefly, how are Fnatic Roma's chances looking? You you got high hopes for that, Alexander and uh, Zimmer? Yeah, I think we've definitely got two good players there. You know, got Alec, who's number one, if not number two in NA at the mm. moment. So that's good. It'll be interesting to see how he can do actually against like Europeans because obviously he wouldn't really play against them. Mm. Uh, and then Zimmer, you know, he's just a really good player so he should be okay as well so mm. looking forward to it it's the first event of the year so nobody really is able to judge anybody mm. quite yet and just lastly on that who would you kind of pick out who's not in your team that you think has a good chance is there anyone you know you've been playing the last couple of weeks you think has a good chance or you've just seen their results yeah I think it's you got to be looking at Tex he, he is in my opinion the best player in the world at the moment obviously I can only speak for Xbox because I haven't played people on PlayStation, but text and when he turns it on, then mm. nothing you can really do about it. Mm. Yeah, although he can't do his little uh, El Tornado to volley quite so effectively, I guess, after that early patch. Oh, he, he still can. He still can. Yeah, <laughs> not as frequent. <laughs> yeah, I bet he can. So that wraps up our competitive chat and actually the podcast this week. No Team of the Week rundown because basically the Team of the Week wasn't particularly interesting and the podcast is already quite long. So we're going to say thank you very much to Runners for coming on this week. I uh, really appreciate you being part of it. And when is that tournament that you're competing in? Uh, the Cup itself isn't until January. Uh, not sure which weekend yet, but yeah, sometime in January. Okay, great. We'll look forward to that. Hopefully we'll hear from you again around that time. And Runners, where can people find you? Follow me on everything, at Runners, pretty simple, so yeah. That is branding for you. And talking uh, <laughs> slightly less clear branding, at The Foot Coach, is that where people can find you, Steve? That is indeed where people can find me, Ben, yes, at The Foot Coach. Um, I'll be getting back to grinding out some more games on the patch, just getting a bit more familiar with what's working, what isn't working, um, and then I'll be opening up the, the bookings for the coaching sessions again very, very soon. And it was also, you know, good to find out that um, you are still up for completing an SBC without checking the player's weak foot. So we can all, it can happen to the best of us, Ben. We can all it can, act can. on on impulse and, and end up with a with a one footed striker. And on that note, listeners, have a great week and thanks for listening. See you soon. And if you have enjoyed this week, then please do subscribe. You can do so by searching Foot Weekly on your podcast platform or go to audioboom.com slash channel slash footweekly for more options. Thanks again. And until next time, listener, adios.
At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.